Hello and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books today. Today, an episode I've been wanting to do forever. Today, I'll be talking about Bringing Down the Duke by Evie Dunmore, which is a historical romance novel set in the 1880s in England about a uh, blue stocking suffragist, suffragist and a duke and how they fall in love. And I'm so excited. So if you're new, you might not know this about me, but if you've been listening for a while, I've mentioned in so many episodes that this book was my favorite book I read in 2019. It was also my first book of the month book. So also, if you are a reoccurring listener, if you are, thank you so much. Um, you'll know that I am a big book of the month stand, although they don't sponsor me. Maybe one day when I'm popular, they will. But this was actually my very first pick and it completely sold me on book of the month. And it was also my first foray into adult romance in published works. So basically what that means is that I had read romance novels, but they were all on Wattpad at this point in my life. So I had never really read anything like, I've never read a published romance novel at that point. And so that was also really cool and interesting. And it was just like, wow, oh, hit my microphone cage. Mm-hmm. But it was something new. So it was such such a joy back in 2019. And then I reread it during COVID, during the first big lockdown, probably in April or May. I can't really remember what month. Loved it again that time. And I even enjoyed it more because I'll talk about this a little bit later. But the first time I read it, I read it really, really quickly because I was so in love with it. And I think I read the last 60 pages like really fast because I had to know how it ended. And part of the ending, just like I didn't, there was something about it that just struck me weirdly the first time I read it. But then the second time around, I got it. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that more later. So this is actually my third time having read Bringing Down the Duke. And I still love it. I still recommend it. Especially, I think this is a great it's just so fun. There's a lot going on. There's commentary about women's rights, which is so fabulous and all that. And so it's just such a fun read and I love it so much. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but without further ado, I think I should get into the plot summary before I talk, talk, talk your ear off. And then I realize, oh man, I'm running out of time. I am going to touch on a rogue of one's own later on in the episode. So if you don't know, that is the second book in this series and it follows Lucy and Tristan who are characters that you see in this first book. And I've actually already done an episode on A Rogue of One's Own and it's actually popping off right now. And I think that's because the third book, Portrait of a Scotsman, just came out. I'm so excited to read it. I haven't started it yet, but that's gonna be the next episode. And so in preparation for it, I decided to reread. So I'll talk a little bit about that later on as well. Look at me, just you're getting so many hints as to what you're going to hear later. But there will be some spoilers for that as well. But I'll let you know when I'm going to talk about that because um, I don't want to spoil things if you don't want them spoiled. But speaking of that, I am going to be spoiling Bringing Down the Duke in my plot summary. I'm going to talk about the entire plot. So if you don't want that, stop here. Go read the book, bro. I would totally recommend it. So good. I feel like I can't say enough about how much I love it. And um, yeah, so there's going to be spoilers. And I think I'm going to get into the plot summary now. Okay, wait, yeah. 
I just had to make sure I had what I want to talk about later written down on my little notepad. I feel like I don't have that many points written down, so mm, we'll see what happens. Sometimes that does happen with books that I really truly love a lot. I almost have less to say. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm not ranting, and when I rant, I tend to have quite a lot to say, if you've noticed, but whatever, we're going to get started. So the book opens with Annabelle trying to convince her cousin Gilbert to let her study in Oxford. So the year is 1880, and Oxford has just opened their women's college, and Annabelle wants to, her dream is to study the classics, so ancient Greek and Roman and Latin and philosophy and all of that sort of stuff, right? So she has been accepted, but there's a catch because she is the ward of her male cousin Gilbert and has been living in his house the past five years, basically working as an unpaid maid. She ends up getting him to allow her to go, but in return, she has to send money back every month to pay for her replacement, basically. So the way that she's paying for college is that she has received a scholarship, basically, from this women's rights organization. I don't remember what the name of it is. And so she has to help them. And their mission in this book is to get the Women's Married Property Act amended, or the Married Women's Property Act amended. Now, if you remember the second book, that was something that was going on in that one as well. And I'm sure it will be sort of a focus throughout the series. So basically, Lucy, who I mentioned earlier, is the leader of this group. And then Annabelle also meets Hattie, whose book is next, so excited, and Katronia. Wait a second, I gotta pause and see how to say that. Okay, I literally just went down a rabbit hole, probably spent, I don't know, 10 minutes trying to figure out how to say Kat, what I've been calling Katrona, Katrona, Katrion. I've been trying to figure out how to say her name. So there's two ways you could apparently say it, which is Katrina or Katriona. Catriona. I'm going to go for Catriona because I've been saying Catronia in my head, so Catriona is more similar, but it's basically the Irish slash Gaelic version of Catherine. Now, it doesn't look anything like Catherine, so I won't be calling her that. And I literally, I spent so long trying to find like what the author calls her, but I can't, I can't sit around here for an hour listening to a podcast to see if she says the name. So I'm going for Catriona. Anyways, Annabelle meets Hattie and Catriona at um they're also in the suffragist group and they are going to be pamphlet pamphleting so they're basically going in front of uh the parliament and they're going to try and give pamphlets to powerful looking men to ask them to amend the married women's property act and so they show up they're doing that and annabelle goes up to this really powerful looking guy who turns out to be the duke of montgomery who is the most powerful duke in the land the queen really likes him and he has just been tapped by the queen to help the tory party win the election and if he wins the election he will get back his family's ancestral seat so basically if you don't know dukes have lots of land but they have like their ancestral seat and sebastian's father who that's the duke he um lost it in a game of cards because his father was a drunk and a gambler and died when Sebastian was 19 and he became the Duke. The Duke is seen as very cold, aloof, like very in his mind, logical, powerful, things like that. And part of this is that he has had to redo his, like rebuild his legacy and things like that. And he also was married previously, but divorced his wife. And at the time, divorce 
that people did not get divorced, especially not aristocrats. And so we're like, hmm, interesting. Why did they get divorced after six months? Anyways, Annabelle tries to give him a pamphlet. The man standing next to him pushes her over. He catches her. And he doesn't want this pamphlet, but he's like, they're both like, wow, I feel some attraction. Anyway, so that's the beginning of the book. So then Annabelle is studying. She has this professor that she used to correspond with, which is kind of how she got into the university because she was corresponding with him, pretending basically not saying she was a woman. So it's doing that. She's having a hard time balancing money and school and everything like that. And so then they decide, the women's group decides that, they are going to each assign themselves different like powerful men and lobby them. And Annabelle gets assigned the Duke, which she does not want because she's like this man in her mind. She has this premonition that they're going to kiss. I mean, will they? Who knows? Anyways, so Hattie, Catriona, and uh, Annabelle decide, okay, we need to uh, get invited to a house party. So Sebastian has a younger brother, Peregrine, who is about their age, a little bit younger. Annabelle's 25. Sebastian's 35, Peregrine's 19, Hattie's about that same age, and Catronia's 23, I think. Catriona, whatever. And so they get invited to this house party he's throwing, but the Duke's not supposed to be there. They're fine with that. But they show up, and they're, like, getting settled, and Annabelle falls asleep in the library, and the Duke shows up. He's just been summoned back by the Queen or whatever, and so he's there, and he is very upset with his brother because his brother really is kind of a doesn't ever do anything he's told and is bad at school and whatever. And he thinks that Annabelle is his brother's paramour, his lover. So he basically yells at her. Annabelle runs away because back in the day when she was like, I don't know, 18 or something like that, she fell in love and was seduced by some like son of a lord who, you know, dirtied her. That's not what, who took her innocence. I'm like, what words they use back then? And then, oh my god, there's a little bug flying around me. I'm so annoyed. Anyway, so he did that to her. She ended up, well, we don't know this yet. Just kidding. And so then she ended up disgraced. And basically when her father found out, because she had gotten pregnant, um, and they went to the Lord's father to try and get the marriage, the Lord was like, no, and yelled at her very similar to Sebastian. So she runs away. It's the middle of winter at this point. It's like December, like right before Christmas. She runs away. The Duke realizes what happens and sends somebody out after her. She's like, no, I'm going to continue walking to the nearest village. So then the Duke comes and he ends up apologizing and really humanizing himself. We love to see that. And Annabelle has to ride on his horse back with him because she doesn't know how to ride a horse because she comes from a poor family, right? And her father was like, a church man or a, vi- a visor, vicar, however the heck you say that. So whatever. So they come back and then she ends up getting a, a cold, a flu. She ends up falling ill and is like in bed rest for a few days. So she has to stay and the Duke and her kind of correspond through funny notes and books and things like that. But funny is not the right word, more like witty, ironic, things like that. And then the Duke ends up inviting her to stay through Christmas because she's still not well enough to travel because, you know, she's been malnourished and stressed and exhausted, sleep deprived, whatever. And they end up, you know, taking some walks around. They might end up in a greenhouse and a kiss, I think, was the kiss exchanged then? I'm not sure. I think there was a kiss exchanged. She goes to the Christmas Eve dinner and battles of wits and then she's invited to the new year's eve ball that the queen's making sebastian throw and so she goes to this ball 
and eventually oh there was no kiss in the greenhouse actually i don't think she goes to this ball and tristan from the first book like and this lady lingham caroline who is at the time sebastian's basically lover because she's an older widowed woman who is also titled so it's he's it's appropriate right whatever and so they basically the two of them force her to dance with Tristan Sebastian comes and saves her when Tristan tries to take her on the balcony which would be very bad for her reputation they go into an alcove and make out and then they immediately Catriona is there right after so it's like ooh, did she see anything spoiler alert she did and then um the next day the next day is when they then go to the greenhouse, actually, I think, and then more kissing does occur. And then as they're leaving, they're interrupted by um, Sebastian's butler or someone like that, and his brothers run away. So, ooh, he's missing. That's not good. So then they go, and then, like, later on, on New Year's Eve, actually, when there's fireworks, he's finally back. They haven't made any progress finding the brother. So they talk, and Sebastian basically... They get to third base and Sebastian offers Annabelle to be his mistress and she's very offended by that and she's like, no, I'm not going to be your mistress. So then that party leaves, she goes back and she thinks she'll never see him again, but they end up running into each other at a um, opera. She's there with the professor and Catriona and her dad and he's there with Caroline. Mm. And again, I think a kiss is exchanged. There's more conversation and she's like, no, I can't be your mistress. Like, we need to stop this. And then... After that, there is a march on Parliament. So all of the women are going to go, and they're from all over the country, and they're going to stand there to protest the Married Women's Property Act, basically. Which, oh my god, I should have explained. Basically what this act does is that when a woman gets married, they lose all their land. And why that's important is because at the time, you had to have land in order to vote. So women needed to be able to keep their property so that they could theoretically get the vote. So that's why they're trying to amend it. But also, it sucks that you get married and you lose all your stuff. It just goes to your husband. That's not cool. And so... They go there. Sebastian warns Annabelle not to do it because she sees him to lobby him, whatever, whatever. And um, well, Hattie's not supposed to be there, but she comes in disguise. And as things are kind of getting crazy, a police officer comes and grabs Hattie and is like touching her breast. And so Annabelle punches him and gets arrested and put in jail. Sebastian comes and bails her out and she ends up staying the night at his place. And she decides that while they can never be together, she wants one night with him. So she decides to sleep with him. And then he thinks that means she's accepted his offer to be his mistress. It does not. They end up sharing a lot of things about, like, their past. Annabelle talks about, like, the past guy and how she lost her child and things like that. And Sebastian talks about, like, being the Duke and his wife, who it turns out she had, like, run away with another man, which is why they got divorced, whatever. He didn't kill them, which at the time is something that most likely would have happened, blah, blah, blah. He offers her to be for her to be his mistress again and she's like really offended again and then they're both really upset and heartbroken and then they leave sebastian is oh but then what happens is everybody finds out that annabelle was arrested so she gets kicked out of college she's resuscitated or something which means that she basically rich people would just go live in their country house for a year until the scandal dies down and then they would be allowed to return and go back to college well annabelle's not able to do that her professor Jenkins offers to marry her and he'll be she'll basically be his assistant bride and she doesn't really want to do that because she you know she's in love with Sebastian but she's also like oh, I don't want to go back to Gilbert and what are my other options well then the duke is taking a ride on his horse cuz he's really upset Annabelle said no 
and he ends up falling off, which is like reminiscent of how his father died, basically, and his worries and things like that. And he hits his head and he realizes that what he saw was not the castle or his brother or anything like that. He saw Annabelle right before he uh, almost death, near death experience. So he's like, screw this, I'm going to marry her. So he goes and Annabelle's being kicked out of her dorm room as well. So she's staying with her chaperone at the time because women needed to have chaperones. And Sebastian barges in and basically proposes marriage. Annabelle says no, especially after she finds out he's recently just hit his head. And she says no, because basically throughout the whole book, he's like, I can't marry you because it would be such a scandal. Like I would lose my standing, respect, things like that. And Annabelle is like, no, you would like hate me later, like all this stuff. And then when he won't leave, she ends up saying like mean things to him and he leaves. Then the chaperone kicks her out and she stays with Lucy. But she, like, immediately is, like, sobbing because she's, like, I'm in love with him and, like, I can't be with him, whatever, whatever, which is the part I found stupid the first time I read the book. And then, basically, she then finds Peregrine has been living in the wine cellar at Oxford, aided by Catriona, who has a crush on him. And so she basically yells at Peregrine, which I'll talk about later because I really liked that scene. And then Peregrine goes back and is, like, oh, guess what? I'm not dead, Montgomery, which is what people who aren't you know intimately involved with Sebastian call him um and he ends up revealing that Annabelle is in love with him basically and then he so that book ends with they're all go to parliament because they're going to the, debate the married women's property act so the women are s- sitting up in the women's section alcove and Sebastian takes the floor and he resigns his um from the Tory party and comes out in favor of the Married Women's Property Act amendment and uh, then Annabelle is like no and like runs away and Sebastian catches her proposes again this time she says yes she's like you gave up everything why would you do this whatever I said mean things to you but they make up and then the epilogue is like two-ish months later and they're married and they're on a yacht and it kind of hints at what's going to happen in the next book with the house party because the prince has written him a letter about like wow, I didn't think you had it in you, whatever. So the, it was a big scandal, but they were in love. And that is the plot. That took me mm, a long time. Was it a long time? I don't know, maybe 12, 13 minutes. There was some pausing, things like that. Did I go into too much detail? Perhaps. And I think where I want to start is talking about my reread hesitation. Going into this, I was really nervous to reread it because I love this book so much, right? And I was worried like, would it live up to my expectations reading it again? And so I'm somebody who actually really likes rereading, which is something you might not know if you listen to this podcast, because most of the time I'm talking about books I have not read before. But honestly, prior to starting this podcast, probably half the books I read in a year were rereads. I had read them previously. And part of that is just that I would just reread whatever was on my shelf. And when it was a birthday or Christmas, or I went to the library in the summer, then I might read something new, but for the most part, I wouldn't. And through a whole chain of circumstances of just people giving me books or me borrowing them, being a book of the month member, holidays, COVID, things like that, I ended up accumulating a lot of new books, which is why there haven't been a ton of episodes of me rereading stuff. But I generally really like to. But I was really hesitant because recently I reread a book from the Apple Books app that I really like a lot. And I've read it now four times in just over a year. And this last time I read it, it just didn't, I still liked it, but it just didn't do it for me like it has in the past. And that's probably because I read it 
too much too soon like too many times so quick close together so I was like scared because I was like I don't want to dislike this book especially if you listen to my blood air episode you'll know that that was one of my favorite books I read in 2020 and then I just didn't like it this year when I did the reread for the sequel so I was so nervous but don't worry everybody this book still lived up to the hype of in my mind there's no actual hype about it online really I think I'm the biggest stan of this book and you know what I will gladly hold that title but I still super super enjoyed it this time around of course there's like not necessarily the mystery or the intrigue of like not knowing where the book's gonna go the first time but there's something just so pleasant about like knowing and loving the characters and revisiting them and it also um, I think I'll just go into this here but like when you read it more times you understand what's going on better you understand the motivations and so thinking about this third act conflict or basically the whole conflict at the end I felt like I was in a better mind frame to understand and appreciate what was going on than I had been in the previous times that I'd read it so basically what I'm talking about is the whole mystery marriage proposal turning down and thing so the first time I read it I was First of all, if you listen to the A Rogue of One's Own episode, you'll know that I said, because I I, re- I listened to that episode yesterday, actually, because I was getting prepared and because I'm not going to be rereading that book before I read the next, like, the new one. So I was decided then that I should listen to the episode to get the plot summary to kind of refresh my mind. And I also thought it might be interesting because at the end of this episode or at some point in this episode, I'm going to revisit that one and talk a little bit about how my mind has changed and things like that. And so there's not in the plot summary that I said, or at some point in there, I said that I thought it was really stupid that Annabelle slept with Sebastian. But like now this third time around, I actually didn't find it stupid because like the only people that were going to know that happened were him and his servants but like she was not she was already being sent away from oxford like she was already a ruined woman and that she'd already had sex before so like i don't know this time around that didn't bother me that she did that but then flashing forward to sebastian's proposal the very first time i read this book i was so mad at annabelle for declining for saying no Because I was like, bro, you're in love with him and you've declined being his mistress two or three times now already and you want to be with him, but why are you saying no? Like, I was so mad the first time. But now I'm older and wiser and I've read more romance novels and I've read this book three times and it makes sense because the being the Duke, I don't want to say it meant so much or means so much to Sebastian, but it was kind of his whole life and previously everything he'd said up to him hitting his head So that's the other part that I feel like I didn't really take into account the first time is that he just hit his head, had a near-death experience. People do and say crazy things after that. He could have taken it back immediately after. And what she says is that he's an honor-bound man. So even if he changed his mind, he wouldn't have broken off the engagement at that point if she had said yes then. So now I do get it. I do understand why she said no because she was basically, it's the whole thing where it's like, I don't want to say if you love someone, set them free and they'll come back to you if it's meant to be or whatever, but it's like when you love somebody, you do what's best for them instead of you. So basically she loved him so much that she couldn't ruin his life in air quotes basically. And so I get why she had to say no that time. Am I so glad that they got married though? Yes. And this is a point that I talked about in the other book. And so this is a bit 
a spoiler for a rogue of one's own actually definitely is but i realize now that i totally spoiled it because the title of my episode so if you don't want that to be spoiled skip ahead like a minute but like the title of my episode for that book is they don't get married in the end which is totally a spoiler because the whole thing is that in that book like lucy does not want to get married and so they end up getting engaged at the end in this book though the whole thing revolves around marriage and that so basically I talked about this I'm not going to talk about it a lot here because I really went in depth in the other other episode but like in this book the main thing is that they do need to get married in the end versus in the other one they should not be getting married in the end because of the situations and so I don't know I'm really glad that they do end up getting married because they are meant to be together no one understands the other one like they do that makes sense. So that's going to lead me actually into Annabelle confronting Peregrine. Now, I have a few really, really specific, I don't even know if they're tropes, but things I love to see in a book. Now, I did do an episode about very specific things I hate to see in a book, and you should definitely go check that episode out because it was super fun and funny. But things that I love to see that are super specific One of them is lists. I love when the plot of a book is like a main character has a list given to them by someone or they make a bucket list and then they have to go and complete everything. So love those. Another one that I love that I've only seen done really twice is when the main, this is like so specific everybody. So the main female character confronts the main male character's family about how they don't understand him and basically are being mean to him that means not the right word but like are either using him or not understanding him and taking advantage that's the same thing as using or like doing something to hurt them and not realizing that they're doing that but she knows that they are doing that and this is typically going to happen when the main male character is more of an icy guy more closed off logical emotion not as emotional strict whatever and that is what we have here with Annabelle and Peregrine and it was just so beautiful to tell Peregrine off and tell him that he was a brat because basically what ends up happening is he runs away because Sebastian enrolls him in the Navy because he basically is spending all day drinking and partying and failing his classes and he's having unapproved house parties without telling his brother spending all this money and he's tried all these different things and nothing's really worked right And Peregrine does not want to join the Navy, which is why he runs away. Now, the Navy, I'm not going to lie, that's kind of, that's kind of rough. That's kind of a tough one. But also, I understand because at the time, that was a thing a lot of people did in a way that's different from today, right? Like, second sons, yeah, go join the Navy, whatever. Anyways, anyways, what was I saying? That's why he runs away. Annabelle, but then Sebastian, Annabelle's there when Sebastian finds out and he is so crushed. He's like, my own family member hates me. Like I'm a failure as a brother and basically a father figure because he's so much older than his brother. I think his brother was only six when their dad died. So like basically raised him, you know, like all this different stuff. And it was just so beautiful. Annabelle telling him off and being like, you don't understand your brother but I do, and I support and love him, and I'm like, and I support and love you, both of you guys, to bring, which brings me, look at me, I'm just like, bam, 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 everything leading into one another, which normally I'm just like jumping around, 
incoherent mess. But that brings me to the what does this say about me section and where I'm going to talk about my love for both Annabelle and Sebastian. Now, if you listen to my love hypothesis episode, you will know, I talked about it there again, that I thought they were so well matched and I loved both of those characters. And that is, again, what we're seeing here. And that's really, I think, what makes the difference in a romance novel for me of being like good and I liked it and absolutely loving it is if I love both the main characters and I think that they're well suited for each other. In this case, I did feel that. I truly, I truly did. So if you know, like if you read the second book or you listened to that episode of mine, then you'll know that I didn't care as much for Lucy and Tristan. Tristan, because I didn't like the kind of male love interest that he is, whereas I do like the male love interest of Sebastian, which is the what does this say about me part, and that everybody's describing him as cold and emotionless and maybe arrogant and whatever. But the flip side of that is he's dependable, solid. He cares very deeply about those close to him. He does whatever for his true love, Annabelle. And I think that's <laughs> I think that's what I'm actually drawn to. And so like, what does that say about me? Am I going to end up with a cold, emotionally distant man? I hope not. But if I do, as long as he's emotionally available for me, we're good to go. But anyways, that's the that's the true what does this say about me portion of like, why do I love Sebastian so much? But also, I think one of the other reasons why this book really sticks out for me and does it for me is that I can see myself in Annabelle in a way that I don't want to say I didn't with Lucy because like I do, I am a women's rights proponent person, whatever, but she's a little bit more radical. But like, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. This is going to be a long episode so buckle yourselves in but like Annabelle one of the things is that I'm also very studious same as her like similar sort of interests as well like just I don't necessarily see myself or her as a mother figure but like just being the solid like friend not that my other friends aren't solid I'm not not offending or calling them out but just like dependable I think is what I'm really looking for just like always being there for others but also like sometimes you just have the whole world on your shoulders and for her she does in a very different way than me because you know she needs to clothe and feed herself and figure out how to pay for everything and remake her clothes all the time and things like that but sometimes I also feel like I have the weight of the world on my shoulders so I do understand that and so I just felt like a deeper connection with her that I did not necessarily feel with Lucy I do not expect to feel it with Hattie, although I expect to really enjoy and love her. But I think of the four women, Annabelle is the one that I identify most strongly with, and that could be why I love her story the most, because I tend to love the ones where I identify with characters. But this brings me in to, I think, the last section. I do have a wide love this book section, but I feel like I've said that a billion times, and that is the revisit of A Rogue of One's Own. So if you have not read that book, you have not listened to my episode of that and you would like to do all of those things, please stop here. Go follow me on Instagram at I read a book once blog. Like and subscribe to this podcast, blah, blah, blah. But stop here. I'm not trying to ruin anything for you. If not, let's continue on because I listened to that episode yesterday. First of all, anybody who listened to it, much love to you because my microphone quality is so bad. It's so 
bad that like if I was new, I would not have listened to it. So now I'm like, huh, my first, I don't know, 15 episodes have that sort of microphone quality. How did people listen to them? How do they do it? And if you do, thank you so much um, for sticking around, for me actually getting a real microphone and actually having some good audio quality. Thank you for listening. But um, that was my first thought. But I just have been thinking about it. And so basically the reason, there's a few reasons I decided not to reread A Rogue of One's Own before starting Portrait of a Scotsman. The first and foremost reason is that I didn't like that book enough to read it again. That's not to say I'll never read it again, but because of this podcast, there is some pressure on me not to continuously reread books that, or to reread a book that I've already done an episode on. That's not to say that I couldn't, and I actually have two, I'm actually at this point two weeks ahead, so I record two weeks before the episodes get posted, so I'm in a good spot that I could have done it, However, I do feel a little bit of pressure that way that I don't have time to do that. But the other one is that I just, I already knew that I didn't like Tristan and I did like Lucy, at least that's what I said in the episode. But as I think more and more about it, I'm like, did I like her? And so I think distance has made me dislike that book more. That's not to say I hate it or that I dislike it in general. It was good. I enjoyed reading it. But my, it just doesn't hold up to this first one in that it's the characters that are really doing it for me. Like, you could insert, if you inserted Annabelle and Sebastian into the same situation Lucy and Tristan are in, I probably would have still, I probably would have loved it then. It's that I don't care for the love interest sort that Tristan is. Sorry, I keep knocking the thing. I'll move my hands away and stop moving them over there. And I realized something. So, like, In that episode, I talk about that scene of Lucy yelling at Annabelle, basically, and how I hated it, but that's not true. I actually love it. It's actually my favorite scene because it's the one that I revisit. Part of how I know I love a book is if I'm going to pick it up and read the last few pages or some scene in the middle of it again and again, just because the writing really touched me, I really loved it, like whatever. And I pick that scene up and I read it so often, probably once a month, and I read it and a few other random selections as I after I finished this book because I was just like, I know I'm not going to read the whole thing, so let's just pick it up and do this. And what I realized this time around is that Lucy reminds me in two ways. First, she sort of reminds me of today's white woke women feminists, which you know what I'm talking about. And that is not to say that I am not also a white woman feminist because I am. But like, there is just this thing about white women feminists that they're not good at intersectionality and so like they say things but like whatever they're arguing for they're kind of missing the point when it comes to women of color and things like that and that reminded me of Lucy and Annabelle's argument because Lucy basically misses the entire point about poor women like she doesn't understand it at all that like poor women cannot just be radical like her. They don't have that sort of ability that she does with her money and like things like that. Like, yeah, she's like, people don't like her, but also nobody, she can support herself. Whereas if Annabelle were to act that way, she would have been destitute in a poor house, whatever. So that kind of reminded me of that. There was another thing she reminded me of when I reread it, but I don't remember what it was. So that's kind of my revisit. I'm coming up much longer than an episode I've done in recent 
history, I've started to kind of do shorter episodes, which let me know how you feel about my episode length. But I think that's where I'm going to leave it. I'm so excited to read Portrait of a Scotsman by Evie Dunmore this next week and come here and talk to all of you about it once I finish. I have really high hopes for it because I love Hattie. She is the most stereotypical girly girl female of the four women. But like, I'm also intrigued because basically what ends up happening is she ends up getting married to Blackstone, who if you read the second book or listened to my episode, is kind of a market guy, but he's a little shady, but he's, you know, things like that. They end up getting married like early on in the book. And so I'm excited because that's very different plot-wise from how these other two went. So I'm excited to see what happens. Cannot recommend this book enough. And now for my outro, follow me on Instagram at IReadBookOnceBlog. You can DM me your opinions and also follow me because that would be fabulous and give me encouragement to continue on with the Instagram. You could also let me know your thoughts and opinions on this book, this episode, or my podcast in general by emailing me at IReadBookOnceBlog at gmail.com. And finally, please, please, please like, subscribe, and rate my podcast. It's going to help other people find it, and I would super, super appreciate it. So I've already said it a bazillion times, but next week's going to be a portrait or portrait of a Scotsman. This was I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma. I hope you had a good time because I did, and I'll catch you guys next time.